Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. Alright, it's too loud. I can't hear the taps. Turn it down, alright? Don't go no lower than that. Well, how many times are we going to have to fucking tell you, alright? Just turn it down. Hey, Mitch! Hey, 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 doing good? Nice to see you shaved off the bum fluff, Derek. Boys? Oh no, what happened to you now? No, no worry about it. I like your new tap style, but your band is bloody loud. You're gonna have to do something about that. Yep, tell mm, me about this it. This guy is a kook. Get my root, he'll improve. <laughs> Mate, that's beyond my pals. <laughs> Had a root. What are you doing here? You gotta come and uh, join us for a bit of a tap dance? Nah, look, what's the point of all this shit, Carl? Let's, let's go. Let's go. What's the beer. point? What's wrong with it? I mean, you know, we're doing something. Better than steel works. Plus, I need some bloody inspiration. These guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, Jack, yeah, yeah, come, come on. Just come put on, some man. boots on and just on, give me uh, something. No, he's right, you are shit. Let's go. Good evening, and welcome to television. G'day! Hello! Hello. Hey! Hey! hey. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa! I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. We most certainly do. <laughs> so, Philip, what have you been watching since our last podcast? So, I have been watching a very short series on YouTube Originals. Ooh, hello. I've been watching a series that was done by a channel called The Game Grumps. Mm-hmm which is called Good Game. Okay. And very basically, it follows these two sort of gamers as they try to get into the uh, pro gaming esports league. <laughs> and, of course, it's a comedy. And Yeah. I really enjoyed the series. However, I understand all the criticism that it got. It really wasn't led as strongly by the Game Grumps themselves. It was one of these YouTube sort of went, okay, well, we're going to make a thing for you. And they sort of followed along, tagged along. Strong story premise, not done as well as I think it could have been. So, I would have liked to have seen a season two. Yes, yeah, so not great. Not great. Um, sadly, I don't think we'll see a season two because of that. That bad? Uh, that bad for YouTube. YouTube didn't really um, support its premium content as well as it probably should have. Oh, okay. Did with some bits, other bits, not so much. It, yeah. Unlike Netflix, which sort of goes, right, three seasons, no matter what. <laughs> um, True. YouTube sort of went, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, I think it could have been a lot more if the Game Grumps themselves had had a lot more influence over it. Yeah, I mean, if, if they're... Their brand of Well, humor. yeah, I mean, if they've got an established audience, an established way of doing something, you've got something that works, so giving them full creative control just makes sense. Because Most certainly. All the boxes are ticked. They've, they've done all the work for you, really. That's it, that's it. Yeah. And how about yourself, Wayne? Yeah, well, I've actually stuck to a more traditional medium yeah. <laughs> and revisited the Indiana Jones franchise. Ah, nice. Yeah, so Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was one of my favourites as a kid. Discovered the others as I've gone along and watched the Crystal Skull for the first time. Ooh. Yeah, so, you know, that copped a lot of flack <laughs> from fans and, and online and things like that. But look, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, nice. I can't say, I actually haven't seen Crystal Skull yet. Mm-hmm. And Temple of Doom, I think I've only ever seen once. Yes. But I absolutely loved uh, Raiders and uh, Crusade. Yes. So they were my absolute favourites well, as a kid. So, yeah. yeah, well, Last, Last Crusade especially plays with a lot of comedy yes. as a response to the Temple of Doom, which was perceived to be quite dark. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I appreciate that Indiana Jones films are quite problematic <laughs> for some reviewers. And Phil, I think 
since you're a historian and you can accept them, <laughs> everyone else just needs to relax. Yeah, that's it. Grab your that's popcorn it. and enjoy. There's actually a fun fan theory mm-hmm. that Indiana Jones is the alternate reality if Han Solo and Chewbacca had crash landed on Earth. Oh gosh, of course there is. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison Ford is diverse. Let it go, people. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Can play more than one character. Chewbacca is the uh, Bigfoot. <laughs> so, Wayne. Yeah. After some crystal skull madness, <laughs> what are we reviewing today? Well, today, Philip, we're reviewing the forgotten Australian dance movie, Bootmen. Please explain. Brothers Sean, Adam Garcia and Mitchell, Sam Worthington, work at a Newcastle steel mill. While Sean thinks his talent for dancing is a means to bigger and better things, Mitchell would rather his brother join him on his new questionable business venture and leave dancing as a hobby. But tensions grow between the two after Sean quits his job for a Sydney dance troupe and the brothers fall in love with the same woman, played by Sophie Lee. Bootman marked the directorial debut for dancer and choreographer Dean Perry, who achieved international acclaim with the stage show Tap Dogs, and the film itself is inspired by his early days as a labourer. So, Philip, did you strap on your boots mm-hmm. for Bootman? I most certainly did. So, as a bit of uh, history to myself, I actually used to do jazz, tap and ballet mm. as a child. Lovely. And went on to the acting course, which did, again, jazz, tap, ballet, of which tap has always been my favourite. I absolutely adore tap. Probably would still be doing it if it weren't just for... You know, the time of day. (laughs) So many hours in a a day. Needs a lot of commitment, doesn't it? it? It's a beautiful discipline. Yes, and I actually, as a child, was inspired by tap dogs. Right. You'd cop a lot of bullying uh, doing such (laughs) such things. And tap dogs was sort of a saving grace. I could sort of show people tap dogs and go, see, it's not this. It's cool. Uh, It's cool. It's cool. It sounds like you can relate to the protagonists a lot then, uh, the boys here. Yes, very much. I sadly, I really sort of stopped doing it um, just because of my own um, thoughts on uh, my weaknesses, as Mm. it were. You know, I I convinced myself my cerebral palsy would stop me doing it. But... That gives you a bit of an idea as to why this film really spoke to me. Right. So it definitely was an amazing, amazing thing to watch. Yeah, well, I think it's beautifully shot. It showcases Newcastle really well, especially on those beach scenes. Uh, You know, there's one of those scenes where... Adam Garcia and Sophie Lee are on the beach and all you see is this huge rusted, <laughs> you know, ship tanker, I suppose, yeah, yeah. in the background. And you just know that nobody wanted to get that out of frame because it's there a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's such an imposing, beautiful image, I suppose, and maybe even a symbol of the deteriorating industry that these mm. guys are a part of. I love the aesthetics of this film. It is definitely all about the dance, yes. though I think the the plot line, the story is second fiddle mm. because it really is paint by numbers. It's quite paper thin. Yes, There's yes. not a lot of depth into the characters. So the film for me is actually at its best when everyone is dancing. Yes. So this actually reminds me of one of those old 50s, 60s musicals mm. where like, you know, and I'm going to cop a bit of flack here, but like, you know, your, your King and I or, mm. uh, or even Mary Poppins. As much as Mary Poppins is amazing, if you really look at it, there is no story to it. Mm. It is a basic, you know, parents are uh, are horrible, (laughs) nanny comes in, teaches kids lessons and parents lessons, everything works out in the end. 
It's the stuff that happens with that which yeah. it makes the magic. Yeah, it's what you do with the framework. Exactly. And this, I feel, does the same thing. Right. That, you know, that you, as you say, exactly, there's nothing to the story, but it's what they do with it. It's what they do with the visuals and the audio and the yeah. the, the, the actual character work itself. Yeah. Which I, th- I think makes it magic. I think at the core, it's an underdog story, yeah. perhaps. Except, I guess this time around, it's not necessarily just about the one underdog you know Sean is our protagonist and he is the driving force for going beyond working at the steel mill and all these different things but he needs a troop to do it yeah and he rallies these guys who live in a community where really there's only a few options yeah so you're either working if you're not working you're earning an income through illegal means Mm. mostly to do with you know stealing cars and car parts and things like that and in terms of hobbies you're either playing rugby or you're dancing. Mm. So there seems to be a lot of people who go against what would be the normal bell curve <laughs> of you know a ratio of tap dancers to overall yeah. community. Yeah. But when we look at who this community is made up of and what is available and accessible to yeah. them, really they don't have anything outside of their work besides going to the pub yeah. and going for a dance at night or, you know, maybe to the yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. So it seemed like an outlet that everyone did as a kid to yes. really just keep them off the streets and yes, out of trouble. Yes. And some have stayed with that. Others have left it behind, but then they're really happy to go back to it mm. despite some reluctance mm. for multiple reasons. Uh, we'll talk about the depiction of masculinity mm. shortly, mm. but it's a happy place. Yeah, and I must admit, I when the film very first started, I struggled with that a bit. Mm. And I will admit fully that that's because of my personal background, mm. because of I was, you know, the only bloke in a small country town. And yes, Eden Hope's much smaller than Newcastle. Much. But... I was the only bloke in a small country town doing any of this sort of stuff. Yeah. I was... It wasn't accepted in the slightest. You could not, even with the, look at tap dogs, <laughs> you could not convince people that that was a, a manly, masculine, yeah. uh, legitimate thing to do. Whereas in this world, it's almost fully accepted. And yes, people pick on them. And yes, people... But it's almost the people picking on them who are the minority. Yes, they're they're kind of like the losers, aren't they? That's it. Yeah. So one thing I would say with the protagonist, uh, Sean, I would actually call him a Mary Sue. Right. Which, as a uh, recap, is a character that essentially has no flaws, has no problems. And the problems they do have are actually advantages. The flaws they have actually work for them in a very strong way mm. and you look at Sean and yeah he's got a temper but his temper very quickly leads to opportunities for him yeah. and also just in terms of mm. Sean's temper it's not like it is a plot point or a plot device yeah. because pretty much all the men have tempers That's it. in this film so yeah it's not really unique mm. and whereas for others it might be a detriment because mm. it gets them into trouble you're right, will lead him to better things. He yeah. will overcome any shortcomings. Yeah, that's it. And he very easily overcomes any shortcomings. Mm. And whilst you might sit there and go, oh, okay, he's just an opportunist. He's a, he's a you know, entrepreneur. He's someone that looks at opportunities or, or, or issues and sees opportunity instead of crisis. 
it's still for a movie like this mm. makes me sort of go, yeah, okay, and, and where's the stakes? Yeah. That he has no real stakes because you sort of very early on get the idea, okay, this will work out for him. Well, I agree with you in terms of what's at stake here. There's probably a few things. I think he's looking for acceptance and approval from his father. He wants to follow his dream of being a dancer because he knows that staying how he is at the mill is not going to do anything. But you're right, Phil, there isn't much gravity to that Mm. because he's happy to leave his laborious job behind, Mm. try out Sydney. When that doesn't work, he returns. Mm. And it's almost as if there isn't a consequence for it. it. He's like, well, I did it and now I'm back. He's more upset over the status of his relationship yes. with Sophie Lee's character, Linda, mm. and I guess the damage that does to his relationship with that, his brother, Mitchell. That's it. Then more about, well, I left it all behind to you know follow the big lights of the big city. Yeah, it didn't work out, but I'm okay because I'm back here now. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. There's zero... You nailed it on the head. Zero consequence for anything that he does. Mm. You almost get the feeling of, oh, I want Dad's approval, but I don't need it if he's, you know, the simple fact that when his dad says you're not going, yeah, it's not an actual barrier. No, he goes anyway. He goes anyway. And he comes home and sits on the couch and has a beer with him once yeah. everything and, falls through. And dad's fine. Dad doesn't dad's even fine. do the I told you so. No, exactly. Dad does do in a subtle way of I knew it wouldn't work for you yeah. because he does the whole I told them not to replace yeah. your role. You're, you always had a job to That's come it. back to. But he goes almost straight from there to, right, well, I've got to start my own troop. If he, I can't yeah. make it work, I'm going to make my own work. Gosh, he's a go-getter, isn't he, Phil? That, that's it. <laughs> and what I would feels happened is yeah. all of the negativity that usually would follow the protagonist mm. has been given to his brother Mitchell. Yeah. So not only does Mitchell have his own issues, but it's almost like the writers have gone, oh, yeah, and let's just tack on all the rest of the quota. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because I know that, you know, Sean is the protagonist, but I suppose really it is a story about two brothers. Yes. So two brothers who are quite close, but, you know, and have a lot of things in common, but are probably quite different in some respects as well. You know, Mitchell doesn't see beyond Newcastle, mm. doesn't want to really pursue dance as well as Sean does. And I think really only returns to dance because it's a way of getting back in good favour with Sean. Mm. It's not really for... It's to support Sean more than, I think, as a yeah, self-nourishment thing. I mean, I guess... Yeah, he realises the path that he's on doing dodgy works with cars and so forth isn't working for him. So he sees the light at the end, if you will. But I feel like it's not 100% a selfish act, if that makes sense. No, that's it. That's it. And and it's almost, again, this case of, you know, he's got nothing, so he may as well go back to dance. But even then, there's no... Okay, there's an ultimate consequence at the end. Yes, there is. But even that isn't due to anything that Sean's done. Yes. That is purely and utterly Mitchell's doing well, grave. Yeah. That he did for himself. Well, yeah. And I think maybe we'll even let's dig a bit deeper into the story and mm. to the plot. So one of the issues I had with the way the plot unfolds is that things just happen extraordinarily quickly. Mm. These boys fall in love with Linda mm-hmm. <laughs> after what? 
three days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, de- declaration of love. Mm. And, like, I can see everything that happens happening over a certain period of time. Mm. Now, Sean leaves for Sydney for three months, right? Mm-hmm. But he's not there for the full three months. We don't know how long he is away. Mm. Because he really what only makes it up to opening night before he's fired. So how long was he gone from Newcastle, really? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that Mitchell swooped in as soon as Sean left or whatever. I I don't know. The timeline is a bit difficult in this period for me to work out. And I'm not saying that Linda was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. When Sean's away, I'll play. You know, they explain the circumstances about how Mitchell and Linda get together. Yeah. But it just seems... There doesn't seem to be much complexity. No, it's a paint by numbers. It's saying yeah. we're checking off the boxes here. Yeah, we need drama. We need a reason for these boys to fall out. And, oh, hello, what was that? A cliche alert? Let's blame a woman. Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, a woman is always, more often than not, I should say, yeah, the, the source of trouble in a homosocial society. Yeah. And this is definitely a homosocial society. Yeah. Yeah. I almost would have preferred to see this done. And I know it's not a true story, mm. but I almost would have liked, preferred to see this done almost biopicy. Yeah. So like Dean Perry's actual story. Yeah. Something like that. Mm. Get rid of the drama. I only have it if it sort of really happened or yeah. even if you built it to sort of really happen. Yeah. Again, I go back to these sort of 50s, 60s movies where... You didn't necessarily need a heavy drama or a, no. it was about telling the story. I remember there was this story I was watching and I, for the life of me, can't remember the name of it because it was just daytime television, but it was this lady who grew up in the outback mm-hmm. playing piano and she eventually became sort of world famous playing piano. And I'm watching this thing going, where's the action? Where's the drama? Where's the... I'm waiting for her to be like, oh, someone crushed her fingers or someone better... <laughs> No, the entire thing was just about this lady and her music. Right. And that's where the runtime came. Yeah. From them playing different bits of her music throughout her life and explaining how she went from one, you know, went from a kid to someone discovered her to someone to her touring, did a few of her famous European tours. And it ends with her as an old lady reminiscing about the past. <laughs> there was no drama. So let me ask, was it good though? Was it, it a good was film? It was enjoyable. Okay. Now... I understand that I'm, you know, historian and, and someone that enjoys a story. Mm. So it probably wouldn't have been as good for someone that doesn't, that wants that sort of action drama. But yeah. this particular movie, I almost sort of feel, okay, if you're not going to do the drama and the plot points properly, mm. just make it about the music and the tap and the yeah and this is where bootman works the best yes so this is where dean perry is confident with choreographing and directing dance routines it looks absolutely lovely and in that breath i suppose you can then easily forgive the flimsy story because it's providing i suppose the means to the dancing so one of the things that I really loved if we're looking at Sean and Mitchell is one of the first instances that we see how important dance and music is to these boys. Yeah. Because we see Sean practicing his dance moves and we cut to Mitchell stealing a car. So that beautiful mm. juxtaposition 
is in sync. The boys are in sync. Yeah. And they're just pursuing it, I suppose, in a very different way. One will be successful because he is putting the effort into his craft. Another one is neglecting his craft, but it's still within him. Yeah. So moments like that I thought were done quite beautifully. Oh, most certainly. I love the way this film is edited. I mm. love the way it's framed. It's shot. It's technically a really lovely film. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It works on a on a really strong technical level, if not on a narrative one. Yeah. Because the narrative doesn't give us anything we really haven't seen no. before. No. If anything, it probably throws too much in and because of that we don't really get a lot of character development I feel I almost would have liked to have just seen the movie of a kid trying to start up a dance troupe Mm. because he is being bullied and he's being picked on yeah and is good enough to make it but because he's always been bullied he gets into fights and stuff and so he starts his own troop to try to help the steel mill. You know, that story. Knock out the brother's story. Knock out the... The love interest should just be a flimsy on the side love interest if you need to have it there at all. Yes. The whole thing should just be from rags to riches. Yeah, and you know what, Philip? I think that's true because, let's face it, the character of Linda is really there to reinforce the heterosexuality yep. of the main men in this story. We've seen it before. If we think about the role of Adrian in Rocky. Yeah. And she's a fantastic character, beautifully performed by Talia Shire. And admittedly, I think is more complex and has more depth than Linda does in this story. But if you want to break down the roles of each character, she was really there to assert the masculinity and the heterosexuality of the Rocky. Because men need to have women around them, don't they? But also to show that Sean is the good guy, the good man. Oh, and how much of a good man Mm. is he? Because he doesn't cheat he pursues her Mm -hmm. but he is respectful when they're in the swimming pool she Mm -hmm. wants to take it slowly and he is absolutely okay with that (laughs) then we've got mitchell who sees that she is drunk and look he's drunk too Mm. not making excuses but they're both quite tipsy and he takes advantage of her vulnerability so mitchell is the one who's really the bad guy in that scenario, more so than Linda, mm, you know, because mm. she doesn't get any messages from Sean. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, she... She's the victim of circumstance. Yeah, I suppose. Which, so she's not... She's such a yeah, cliche. That. Yeah, she <laughs> is very much the whole, you know, men are either just amazing because they wine and dine and romance mm. you, or they're just scum. Yeah. It's interesting, very early on, we can tell what type of men are in this community as mm. depicted in this film. They, yes, all have a one-track mind. Mm -hmm. They're all about the good-looking girls. One of the very first things that Sean says to Mitchell is, you know, let's go back to that dance studio. The girls would have matured by now. The girls that we knew when we were kids are no longer kids. They're adults like us. So I think whenever there's an opportunity to assert that these men are heterosexual and masculine, the film goes for that opportunity Mm. and is relentless with it. These guys are vulgar. They fight a lot. They're chasing tail. (laughs) Because we have to prove they're men because, well, do men tap dance? Well, that's it, yeah. But then there is two little points where it shines through. Mm. But again, I think it does it very 
badly if we're going to sort of talk about this. Mm-hmm. I think we're happy to say that the story elements were done poorly. Yeah. Everything else was amazing, and that makes it a brilliant film. But yeah. it, story elements were done poorly. And this is where Colin, played by Andrew Kaluski, stands up to his wife, Sarah, played by Susie Porter. Mm. And Colin is this person who, you know, he's not sure about whether he wants to be doing this. He's uh, berated by his wife a lot. And finally, he stands up to her. Mm. Now, again, the good thing about this, this is where this for me is a shining moment. That happens in reality. You do have women who berate men and men who are not always as strong to stand up to that. Mm Mm-hmm. The problem I feel with it is that given how women are portrayed throughout the rest of this film, it sort of sticks out like a dog's hind leg. <laughs> you have all these women that are just there to be eye candy for the men. They're quite passive, aren't they're they? They're quite passive. And then you have this one woman who's like, nah, you get in the car, you nutty. <laughs> and then cut to her at the end like, oh, of course I'll support you. (laughs) Which is lovely and it's a sweet moment and it is this thing where it does sort of hint at the idea that yes, men can be vulnerable and can be picked on by women Mm. but it's not explored well enough and it's overshadowed by everything else. Yes, and one senses that with Sarah, she's almost opportunistic in that way. Mm. She's only there once it starts to work out yes because once we see all of these people gather together or she sees for example linda is supportive so oh well my friend's supportive i have to be that type of thing it's okay well you're now the cool kids yeah 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 so to speak so yeah i can see how it is problematic the Mm. depictions of women here are just as problematic as the depictions of men we've got a lot of clarity and a strong line between masculine and feminine so even the dancing itself is not presented in any way besides a masculine way you know we're surrounded by steel and materials and Mm. industrial so it is asserting the masculinity still it is graceful and it is beautiful and it's so much fun to watch but there isn't much opportunity for these men to be vulnerable. Mm. We see Sean getting really upset when he discovers that Linda and Mitchell have slept together Mm. while he Mm. was away in Sydney. It's a bit of an outburst. He keeps his distance from them. So we can see flashes of it, but it's not explored too deeply, I feel. He seems to accept it pretty quickly. Well, he's uh, easy to dismiss Linda, isn't he? Yeah, easy to dismiss Linda, but his brother, he's like, oh, no, you could be part of the trip still. Yes. So it is that sort of double-edged sort of sword there. And this is also the other issue slash shining moment that I kind of want to point out. Mm. That at the end of this movie, there are a lot of characters you don't really know the name of. You don't know who's who. I'm sure with multiple viewings and and writing down notes and stuff, but you shouldn't have to do that for a good movie. At the end, one of the dancers, one of the main dancers gets beaten up he's he's you know called a homosexual and is beaten up and at the very end we see this part where he's about to be beaten up again and then one of his mates Mm. comes up and says hey if you want the real uh homosexual uh i'm here and then you know they proceed to beat up these two bullies straight off the bat yeah now 
On one hand, this is gorgeous because they are sort of showing, hey, look, we, we do have... Uh, there are homosexuals in this universe <laughs> and we're not, you know, they're, they're the good guys and rah, rah, rah. The horrible bad part is it is tokenistic as yes, anything. It is. It is this little bit to sort of go, hey, we've been using homophobic slurs left, right and centre, but it's okay because we've got one here and he's a good guy. <laughs> it's so bad in yeah. that sense. Well, I mean, I guess it can also enforce that the toxic masculinity within this community does link to oppression. Mm. So we've got a queer community oppressed in this film. We've got women oppressed in this film. The men are very aggro. The women don't really have much of a voice. Mm. When men want to stray from stereotypical and traditional masculine tropes, they become oppressed by men and women Mm. as well. So it's a really oppressive, oh, <laughs> I, I suppose, community, if you will, whenever anyone wants to venture outside of it. And this perhaps reinforces maybe some of the notes you were saying before about Sean, almost as a too good to be true. Mm. None of it really affects him. No. He, like, it's, it's, don't get me wrong, it's inspirational, if you will, mm. because nothing gets in his way. Yeah. You know, he's got this idea and he is sticking with it and he is pursuing his dreams. He is pursuing his goal. And in the end, it even turns to not serving himself, mm. but to give back to the community yeah. to help. So it's really painting tap dancing as a positive about what art can do for a community. That is a message that I absolutely love, that it champions the positivity, the beauty, the self-expression, the togetherness that art and creativity and performance Mm -hmm. can do, not only for oneself, Mm. not only for one's troop, but for an entire community. That's a lovely thing. Most certainly. And I will also have to say, after we've been banging out the masculinity and how toxic it is, etc., one thing I do want to wash all of that away with them, mm. is that this was done in 2000, 2000? <laughs> we can sit here two decades on and spout all the stuff about masculinity mm. and, and the the progressive stuff that we know but this was in an era where masculinity was still very toxic and accepted and accepted yeah the stuff that they're talking about, yes, whilst they are putting down minorities, I don't think it's all that intentional. It is putting down minorities to our vision and eyes because we're so used to more progressive mm. uh, narratives now. Yeah. At that point, we still had, yes, we had a lot of stuff happening, but it was underground still. This was something where he was trying to sit there and say, hey, look, just because you want to be an artist doesn't mean you have to be, you know, uh, effeminate or... Uh, because that's what it was seen as. He was trying to really p- drive home this thing that, hey, you're allowed to be who you are hmm. and still do this stuff. Yeah. In an era where people just assumed, if you danced, you're effeminate. Yes. And, and effeminate qualities are bad. Exactly. That's the perception. So let me ask you this, Philip. Does Bootman assert or does it challenge our views of masculinity? Mm. I think it challenges, especially looking at it for back then. Yeah. It asserts masculinity. Mm-hmm. 
but it challenges what masculinity is allowed to do. Yes. It, I agree, yeah, actually. Yeah. It, it tries to sit there and say, hey, look, you don't have to be the sort of guy that beats the crap out of everyone. Yeah, just because you're a man, you don't have to be a dickhead. That's it. Yeah. And it shows that, hey, you're allowed to do this dance stuff and still be masculine. Yeah. Sort of thing. And and why is dance seen as a feminine thing? Like, there is a lot of strength and power, masculine mm. traits. But also, let's just say it's exclusively seen as a feminine thing. Why is that bad? No, that's it you exactly. Know, men and women have masculine and feminine traits we all have them whether you identify as a man whether you identify as a woman whether you identify as non-binary whether you identify as gender fluid we all have masculine and feminine traits that's it i don't know why we're always afraid (laughs) to showcase one more than the other exactly and i think if this had been made now i honestly truly believe different film altogether different film altogether it would have been allowed to Mm. we forget we always forget that certain things were not allowed to be done even 20-odd years ago. Yeah. Certain things just wouldn't be put to... Or if it was put to film, it would have been this little cult classic. Mm. Or it would have been pushing things too far. I mean, we remember looking back to Malcolm. Yeah. Where this was something that was showing mental health as just something this guy's living with. Yeah. That movie, whilst it got acclaim, it was still very, very ahead of its time. Oh, depicting behavioural and developmental conditions in the manner that it did Mm. was extraordinary. Talk about thinking outside of the box here. That's it. If I think we want to reflect on Bootman, which, again, looks outside the box of what we think a dance troupe should, could, mm. or would look like. Because even tap dancing against raw materials like steel and iron mm. and lead and all of these things was thinking outside of the box oh, about how certainly. we saw dance performances. Yeah. So Dean Perry developed this from Tap Dogs, which yes. he was heavily involved in, which was using all of these materials, mm. which, like you've alluded to, Philip, appealed to a broader audience yeah. and was inspiring. And that's what's fantastic about dance. Let's pause on Bootman for a second Mm -hmm. and think about another dance movie that was released the same Mm. year, Billy Elliot. Yeah. This is no Billy Elliot. No. Billy Elliot touches upon some of the things that Bootman does in terms of how we perceive masculinity. It's set in an industrial town. It's Mm. set against hardship about leaving the family, about pursuing a dream. So, you know, if you want to go paint by numbers, it looked like they were looking at the same textbook, but (laughs) then went and wrote different essays. Yes. One is far more successful than the other. Yes. I wonder why that is. And not to necessarily draw comparisons, because I think we'll save Billy Elliot for a different podcast. But I think it shows what you can do. Yeah. This didn't quite go there for me. But what it does well, it does extremely well. Most certainly. I think to sort of finish up on that sort of bit is that, yeah, the problem I think Bootman faces is that he was trying to show a very specific Mm. issue... And when you do that, you lose the nuance. Yeah. Now, one could argue, it's sort of like saying, oh, well, I'm campaigning for this. Oh, but what about all the other stuff? (laughs) Well, yes, but I'm campaigning for this. Yeah. The other stuff is important, but I'm campaigning for this. Yes. Now, you could argue that most certainly, 
But I think this movie for the other stuff, actually, instead of leaving it neutral yeah. and going, look, this is important, but this is what we're focusing on, it actually highlights it and drags it backwards. Yeah, it's kind of hitting it with a sledgehammer a little That's bit. It. Now, you know, we've sort of talked about those elements a lot. I think what can elevate a movie maybe when the plot <laughs> is a little bit underdeveloped because, hey, it's a dance movie. Mm-hmm. We paid our admission ticket to see the dance. Let's yep. be honest. So yeah. we can't fault the film for that. What did you think about the performances here? The actual performances for me were spectacular. Yeah. So this is one of those movies for me where you sort of sit there and go, okay, it wasn't the actors, it was the script. Yeah. They were given, again, if we take it out, because I I actually want to come back to all the technical stuff and really rant and rave about that shortly, but Mm -hmm. if we're looking at all the drama and the, 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 the plots and stuff like that, they weren't given a lot to work with. No. But for me, they still sold it. Yeah. I actually still was in that world. I, I think the world itself was ridiculous. I think the world itself had issues when you sit there and, and nut it out like that. But I was engaged in the story. Yeah. Regardless. I found the acting a bit uneven, yeah. like across the board. Uh, for example, look, Adam Grossier didn't have a lot of screen experience under his belt. I think he's good. He's a handsome young man. Mm. And quite captivating, mm. I think. But you felt like that with maybe a director that had more experience with actors, he could have been given more to do, I feel. Look, Sophie Lee and Sam Worthington are strong actors. Mm. We've seen them in other things. This isn't Sophie Lee's best work, no. but she's good. I think Sam Worthington, for me, was the highlight, to be yeah. honest, in terms of the performances. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, I felt a lot with Mitchell. Yeah. And again, for somebody who isn't given that much depth, there's enough touched upon about Mitchell and his complexities. And I think Sam Worthington has, you know, these nuances that he brings. You can see that there's more to Mitchell than what we're seeing. The others, not so much. It didn't distract from me, though, because, again, it's a great-looking cast. And like you've said, Philip, with what they had, Mm. they do a good job with it. And that, for me, is the thing where Adam struggled with the fact that his character was a Mary Sue. It mm. was a everything goes right. When you've got no foil to fall back on, when you've got no char- true character flaw, his character flaw at worst was a bit of crying and a bit of a temper tantrum. Yeah. When you've got nothing to fall back on, then your character's going to be 2D, yeah, two-dimensional, one-dimensional. Again, they're not they're not really that complex. <laughs> again, it. Mitchell was the one that I felt so, was the more complex, and maybe yeah. that's why Sam yeah. really appealed and, to and me. And that's yeah. why, for me, I'd go, it's definitely script and director. We're forgiving. Over, yeah, very <laughs> forgiving there. However, I would say, like we've said at the start, the technical. Absolutely. The dance, the choreography, the sound, yes. how it looks. I would like to have seen... That as the entire movie. Mm. And I know that sort of sounds dumb because essentially what I'm asking for is Tap Dogs Live. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? But just break down the rest of this story, chuck it out, make it a simple thing of almost Billy Elliot style in the sense of even simpler. Yeah. uh, a, A working class lad who has dreams, everyone's piling down on him, but he makes it work anyway. Yeah. 
You know, it's not that hard. It would have probably worked better, actually, if they didn't have the Mitchell character at all. So we could really focus on Adam, I think, and have his journey. Look, the journey that he goes through is relatable on some levels. I think we all have dreams and pursuits that people around us sort of rag on. Mm. And some of us will keep going. Others will just say, like, it's not worth the effort. So I did find Adam relatable and inspiring on some levels. I love his enthusiasm. Yes, not a complex character, but Adam Garcia does well with it. Mm. You know, he's given some range yeah. and he, you know, he he does his he does his best. But for me, Philip, I agree that the film really is more successful on a technical level. Yeah. So, thank goodness there is a lot of dancing oh, yeah. in this movie. If you thought Flashdance had a <laughs> lot of music and dancing in the same industrial setting, this one amps it up even more, and it is done spectacularly. Yeah. It all comes to a point with that final dance performance. It was beautiful. It yeah. was so much fun. Oh, it yeah. had me really engaged. Mm. So... Was it worth the wait for you, Phil? If built up to this, was it worth it? I definitely think it was worth the wait. If anything, I would like to have seen more. Yeah. I, like when the, that first number finishes and he goes backstage and sees his father and all yeah. the powerful and all that coming a mile away. Yeah. I thought, oh, is that it? Then they did come back. Mm. I still wanted more. Yeah. I, I would have wanted, if they devoted, say, 10 minutes to that. Yeah. I wanted 30. Yeah. I like the way that they did end the film that it was all about performance all about dance we had flashbacks to adam's childhood a lot of those with mitchell that he was paying tribute to his brother and i think there's a motivation there to also now achieve his dream on behalf of his brother as well Mm. and he's now got his father's approval nothing is holding him back now Mm. so that is actually quite a lovely message Mm. about what you can do with support versus what hampers you without support he was still going to get there but yes. the, the road is a lot easier now. Yes. He has a link to Mitchell because Linda is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And he's there. I'm going to su- help support you and my future nephew yeah, slash yeah. niece. So there is a reason to keep on going. And just that final moment is gorgeous because we know that Sean will succeed. So, Philip, after all said and done, <laughs> we've tapped our way through Bootman. What are your final thoughts and a score out of five? I would have to say that, yes, as we've sort of beaten out of this, that the technical side is the best side. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Adam Garcia got this predominantly because he was a tap dancer, possibly maybe in Tap Dogs, as opposed to being an actor, which could speak for the role being even further two-dimensionalized <laughs> but i don't think this movie in its story holds up today i think the message it was trying to say is still important but i'd actually love to see it redone mm. or the message itself is still pertinent it's just how it went about it not so much however the technical side of things makes this to me a must see i would give this three and a half out of five well philip i agree with you that on a technical level this film is 
absolutely stunning. It is beautiful. Yes, it has a paper-thin plot, but do we go see a movie called Bootman for the plot? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It's from the team who gave us Tap Dogs, a remarkable mm-hmm. and internationally acclaimed performance piece. And this is preserving it on screen and presenting it to people mm. who would not necessarily have access to it. So it achieves what it sets out to do on that level really well. Is it successful as a full-fledged film that really explores the themes that it touches upon? No, it doesn't. But there's enough here to enjoy. There's enough here to really be entertained by, be engaged by. I think you care enough Mm. about our protagonist, Sean, to want to see him succeed and see it through. And I think you care about this community in the end because they do tone up for Sean. Mm. They tone up for the workers who are all going to lose their job. So there is a sense of solidarity, I suppose, You have to go through a lot to get there. (laughs) But again, Sean never gives up. Yeah. So it's a three out of five star film for me. Yeah, definitely. As a side little bar, I was just thinking I'd love to actually see this if it was redone Mm. as Tap Dogs meets Magic Mike. (laughs) That would be perfect. (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of people who would agree with you, Philip. But until that one gets made, what do you have for us next time? Well... I've been talking a lot about these sort of uh, 60s musicals, mm-hmm. um, as it were. So I thought I might bring one to the table. Right. And so next time we'll be reviewing the 1967 children's fantasy, mm. the original Dr. Doolittle. Oh, <laughs> can't wait for that one. It was a childhood uh, favourite of mine. Well, it's been so. a long time since I've seen Dr. Doolittle. Yes. So it'll be exciting to see. Uh, very hopefully. <laughs> yes, hopefully too. Hopefully. But I'll be coming into it really with fresh eyes because I don't remember most of it, if any of it, to be honest. <laughs> so until then, I've been a Wayne Stellini. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And, and you've just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. Stick to tap dancing, Philip. Stick to tap dancing, my friend. And scene. Well, I went for more traditional viewing, Philip, and um, stuck to films, and I revisited the Indiana Jones franchise. Ah. Yes, I had a a little mini marathon with the Indiana Jones quadrilogy. Nice. A lot of fun. I grew up watching Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom a lot as a child, and, um, you know, discovered the other... The other two as I went on yeah. and uh, had seen the Dark Crystal for the very first time. Ah. That's not right. Dark mm. Crystal is a TV show. Crystal Skull? Mm-hmm. Is it called Coruscant or just the Crystal Skull? Curse of the Crystal Skull. Hang on. And had just seen Curse of the Crystal Skull for the very first time. I'd heard a lot of things about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that fridge scene <laughs> <laughs> and the ending. So I knew kind of what was coming, but uh, look, I still enjoyed it. It's, nice. it, it's popcorn entertainment. 
I don't take Indiana Jones films too seriously. They were never designed to be taken seriously. I must admit, I haven't seen Crystal Skull. Mm. Um, I have obviously seen um, uh, t- uh, Tomb. Yeah. And um, Tomb. I think there's something else too. I need to start mine again. It's going to be a bitch to edit. That's okay. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple yeah. of Doom. Temple of Doom, yeah. And Last Crusade. Last Crusade. I'm thinking of Tomb Raider. Yeah. yeah, no, that's uh, what I thought you were going with. Yeah, I was yeah. like, hang on. Okay. So, Wayne. Yeah. After some crystal skull madness, <laughs> what are we viewing today? Reviewing. I think at the core, it's, I guess, an underground... I would actually call him a Mary Sue. Right. Which, as a quick brief uh, recap, as a... Huh. Because he really what, only makes it up to opening night before he's fired. Well, yeah. So how, how long was... No. I think whenever there's an opportunity to assert that these men are heterosexual and masculine, the film goes for that opportunity mm. and is re- unrelentless. Relentless. Relentlessly. Yeah, relentless. Never giving up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Story elements were done poorly. And this is where... Who was the guy who had the wife that kept berating him and he finally stands up? Is that Colin? I think it's it's Colin, yeah. Colin and Sarah? Susie Porter, yeah, Sarah. Beautiful. See, I know her as an actor. I don't know him. Colin, played mm-hmm. by Andrew Kozlicki. Um, Kaluski. Kaluski. The problem I feel with it is that, given the rest of the... Um, um, the other issue I found, which was, again, sorry. The, actually, while I'm stopped. Um, yeah. Walter. Yep, so Walter is the guy who owns the dance studio with the cane. Cool. Jono. I have no idea. Um, Derek. So these guys are other dancers. Okay, cool. But I don't know who was the homosexual at the end. I have no idea. Sorry, I can't remember his name. That's right. Um, Which is a testament to the story. We mm -hmm. don't get to know these bloody characters. No, but that's that's sort of the the (laughs) one I want to drive at. Well, maybe. Well, maybe just mention it's like, you know, by the end, Mm. I don't know who's who really. So next time we will be watching the nineteen sixty-seven. Really. Oh, because you kept you're calling it. Oh, okay. they, sorry, I'm going to start that again. No, no, I was going to say because you kept going 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 because they're calling it a historical drama, a period drama. It's okay, not a historical period drama. 